Okay, good morning. Uh, Saturday morning here. We're back, uh, Albert, myself. And let's, uh, I guess we can kind of pick up from last week. If I remember last week, we kind of talked about your kind of later years in Holland, a few of your uh, girlfriend flings or whatever. And it looks like you're, <laughs> you're getting to the point that you were kind of thinking about leaving uh, your home country. So if you want, let's just kind of touch back. Is there any other, I guess, relationships or memories uh, of those kind of final years in Holland that you can think of that you kind of want to cover off? Yeah, well, I think that uh, memories will always come back. They don't, uh, they don't always come back uh, on command. They just, they just happen to come back. Something reminds me of something and all of a sudden there is a, the whole story, the, the, like I was going out with uh, this Francine when I actually did go to Canada, but uh, before that I uh, I was going out with a girl called Trace, Trace Hendricks. And uh, I had an interesting experience with her because uh, there was uh, at the St. Thomas Fair where fun came from, came from where he still is. Uh, and uh, uh, when I went to, uh, I, I looked around to see if I could find fun somewhere at the fair because he wasn't home. And there is a, uh, like a, a patio at one restaurant there. And there is his older sister or his second older sister, Marie, sitting there with, with a girl that I never seen before. And, uh, so uh, I went up to Marie and uh, have you seen fun, you know where he is, kind of thing. And she introduced me to the girl that she was with, who she had gotten to know during the war. And uh, uh, well, uh, sit down and we had a drink and we were talking. And well, she seemed like a, a, a nice enough girl, kind of a city girl, but Nevertheless, it's uh, another experience that uh, I didn't mind. Uh, you know, they don't always have to be farmer girls. So uh, uh, I soon found out that she was living in Eindhoven. And at that time, I was working in Eindhoven and I actually uh, was boarding there. Uh, in fact, I was boarding in that boarding house where the landlady loaned me that book. Uh, the uh, the, the yeah. crooked librarian that tried to corrupt your soul. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the book on the index, yeah. Yeah, well, that uh, my dad didn't take too kindly to that. But anyway, uh, yeah, that was the... And uh, so uh, I made a date with Trace and we, she would come to my boarding house because she can go on the streetcar and it would stop in front of my boarding house mm -hmm. and she come in and then from there we go for a walk into Eindhoven and uh, well this was going on for a few weeks and it was nice so I thought uh, maybe I should take her on for dinner too because she by then I thought well she's a heck of a nice girl and um, and again she was nice looking I thought you know that I can only go by my own taste and uh, 
uh, well-built, which uh, is also an important part when you first meet. Uh, I never li liked Twiggy, and uh, so uh, I asked her one time on a Sunday to come out of church, I says, how about going for dinner? Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, where would you want to go? Well, to make sure that I didn't start at, at the bottom at the little roadside joint, I I thought we might as well go to the Silver Sea part. I always wanted to see what kind of a place that was because I wouldn't just go there because I couldn't afford it. That so, silver Sea part? Silver, silver Sea part. In, in English, it would be the Silver Seahorse. Okay. <clears throat> literally translated. And it was a swanky place right in the middle of Eindhoven. And, uh, well, if you... Uh, if you want to make an impression, make sure that you got uh, the right stuff to go with it. And I think she must have <coughs> guessed something. She had that sixth sense yet. And uh, she was wearing this fur coat. It was all dressed up. Mm. And uh, so here we go to the silver safe part. And we come in and uh, they take the coat and they put it in there. But they have special room where they, where they keep all the the coats, nobody carries his own coat in, yeah. or you don't hang it on the hook. Yeah. They have a special person who looks after your uh, the things that you carry. And uh, so you're seated at the table, they, they brought us to a table, and fortunately it was close to a window, so that I could look out once in a while if, if I needed distraction to collect my thoughts. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes you uh, you you need that uh, that you cannot be focused and concentrated on the same thing all the time. It uh, makes you stutter. But anyway, we were uh, guided to this table, and uh, the the waiter comes out and he has this white cloth over his arm, and he pulls the chair out for the lady to sit down, moves it in. All you have to do is just stand in front of the table, and he moves the chair in. Just nudge it enough against the back of your leg that I can sit on. Mm. So uh, it was just all out. I couldn't believe it. I never seen anything in my life like it. And I got the same treatment. You know, the guy took it out, and but the girl first, of course. And then they bring in the menu. And mm. holy mackerel! Uh, uh, fortunately, I had learned enough French to know uh, what I would be ordering, and. Uh, uh, so we ordered the, the uh, what they call it, but you have the aperitif, I think. They call that in the, at first, and then you get... Oh, an appetizer? An appetizer, and uh, yeah, appetizer, aperitif. Uh, anyway, the, the meal that you order needs a certain amount of time to prepare. If, you, if it isn't fast food, then there was nothing fast food there. And uh, you didn't need to rush for anything. So anyhow, uh, we were sitting there and enjoying the uh, the appetizer and uh, small talk and, you know, like uh, what people usually do under the same circumstances. And, uh, yeah, we had a terrific meal. We uh, immensely enjoyed it. And I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, that uh, she didn't seem to be a regular customer there either because it all was quite impressive to her too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I come here all the time. No, no, she uh, she wanted to see 
the inside of the place that yeah. you walk by so many times in your daily lives. And uh, so we got to see the inside. And uh, when it was all over, they present me with the bill. And uh, Do you remember what you had for main course? Oh, it was, uh, it was a, a steak. And I asked for blue rare, which mm. I always, I always uh, took my beef blue rare. And uh, here they call it Pittsburgh blue, mm. like black on the outside, raw on the inside. Uh, and some people, some chefs can make it just perfect. There is a place on Kennedy Road in Toronto, mm. the castle restaurant or something. That's the best steak I ever had in all my years. Anyhow, they, uh, I got the bill and uh, I take out my wallet. Be in, at that time, there was no credit card or nothing. Would have been handy. But uh, I put the money there and calculated what the tip was. And then I look at the leftover in my wallet. And I thought, well, I'm glad that she ordered what she did rather than the item just above it. Because I would have been stammering and, well, uh, can I pay that next week? Because I didn't have enough money left to buy gas to go home on that day and then come back again. <laughs> that is how fine it is. It's just dumb luck. I was lucky that uh, that I actually had enough cash. Mm -hmm. But uh, but it was a good, a good evening. Worth the oh, money? It, was the memory worth the money? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh no no. Uh, uh, see, money has always been a means for me. Yeah. It was never an end. Yeah. It was the end. All week long, yeah. I wanted to make money, so that on the weekend I could enjoy the bloody yeah. stuff. Yeah. I never tried to get lots of it to leave yeah. for whoever. No, I wanted to enjoy it myself. If I work for it, mm -hmm. I should have the benefit from yeah. it. So anyhow, uh, did you ever go back to your silver seahorse at all? No, I uh, I don't even know if it's still there. there. Yeah. It was still there. I met a guy from Eindhoven. Mm. Uh, he was uh, in. He lived in Whitby, and um, he came here for the Ford Motor Company. He was uh, um, Ford Motor Company brought him to Canada. To uh, I think he went to. Where they got the four plant here in Oakville, yeah. and uh, anyway, he uh, he uh, I I told him once that I was for dinner in the Silver Sea part, and then he said, uh, "Did you see Huub van Doren? Well, Huub van Doren was his uncle, but he was also the man who owned the Duff Automobile Company, mm. and he he was the son of a blacksmith." Uh, only f uh, 20 clicks away from my hometown. And uh, he was just an ordinary guy, but he had a sharp mind. And he invented the automatic transmission for which he got a patent. And then shortly after the war, the, the Dutch wanted to have a car company. Why would we have to buy Volkswagens? We can make our own. And here we have a guy who got this transmission and he needs money. So they 
kind of financed building a whole new factory and whatnot. And right now you see the trucks uh, on the highways, the big tractor trailers mm -hmm. that are uh, DAF, D-A-F, Durance Automobile Factory. Okay. Uh, that was the abbreviation. But uh, uh, the very in the very beginning, he only made these wagons like uh, a four-wheel car with, uh, with tires on it. And the same kind of thing that uh, Will and I were uh, drinking the milk out of the oh. can on the back. Yeah. Uh, that's how he started out, building those things. But then uh, when he invented that transmission, he expanded from that. So he had a building already, but uh, for uh, automotive purposes, it had to be a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. So he expanded and expanded the, the DAF. Uh, but anyway, uh, he said, so you didn't see Hoop there? I said, well, I wouldn't know if I had, because I don't know the man. I know mm -hmm. of him, but I never met him. Said, yeah, he says, that's my uncle. So, uh, and anyhow, I uh, here comes <laughs> wheel in the picture again. There was one time, and Van Doorn came from Deurne. Deurne was a town near Helmond, between us and Helmond. And that is where Van Doorn actually had, or his dad had, the blacksmith shop. Right. And uh, there were quite a few pretty smart, interesting people living in Deurne. At the time, there were books written about it. And uh, so there was a fair going on in Durham. And then Weir came up to me, uh, hey, you want to go to Durham? I said, what the hell is in Durham? The fair. I said, well, yeah, but I, I don't think so. I said, you know, I was planning on, you know, uh, uh, Huub van Doorn. I said, yeah, what about him? Well, he has a couple of daughters. Yeah, they're twins. I said so. But that they're in Dorn, and they're in, and you know Van Dorn. Van Dorn got lots of money, and I was wondering if we could maybe go out with those girls. You take the one, I take the other because it was twins. Yeah. And uh, well, it's, it's nice to fall with your butt in the butter. Yeah. So. Uh, and Bill says, you know, I'll get the, and he knew that the Van Doorners had their own manege where they, they loved horses mm. and they had a big horse barn and the, the girls were riding horse and, you know, uh, with their money they could uh, afford the clothing that they needed, but they were just crazy about horses. The whole family was. Mm. So in order to make a bit of an impression, that's all it is. Mm. Um, don't we all? And uh, we said, I'll get this buggy, and uh, even if I have to pay for it, he said, but I'll rent it for a day, and I get Henry Christians, that was the farmer that was telling us all those stories all yeah. the time, and I borrow his horse, borrow his horse, because uh, we could get anything done. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he managed to get this fancy um, carriage? A, yeah, a carriage, like yeah. we, we call it a coots. Mm -hmm. And uh, he comes over and he has this 
this uh, whip sitting in the front, uh, just for so uh, command set up, and so we the both of us sitting on the front, mm -hmm. and we're going through that piece of village that was left over towards Dune, and we and the people where the hell are those guys? And you know that we were not the biggest guys working all the time. We were. Well, we were having a good time in our lives. So that'd be kind of a, the, your version of a limousine then back then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So we went to Durna, and we went around and around, and well, that looked nice because not everybody comes around with a carriage and a horse, and it was a sleek-looking horse. It was not one of those Belgian workhorses mm -hmm. with a lot of weight. No, it was a sleek-looking thing, and but that's all they needed. And uh, we, we go around and we hitch up on the pole near a restaurant and have a glass of beer, hoping that maybe the, our prey would <laughs> come by somehow. But uh, no, we had to go after because they didn't come by. And we waited and waited all afternoon. We didn't even see it. But it didn't matter, we had a good time in, uh, in the Dürne Kermis, the fair. Uh, but our original idea was that we would go out with those, those girls. And, and that's just a pipe dream, because there's no way they would go out with a couple of commoners like us. Mm -hmm. Mind you, they were just ordinary people. The, 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 the girl's uh, yeah. grandfather was just a regular blacksmith in the village, in the town. And, uh, but, but he made it big because he was a smart man. But they would never have gone out with us. But it didn't matter. Uh, our egos weren't hurt because we weren't turned down. They just weren't there. Yeah. They probably were on the horse trail somewhere. But uh, there's nothing wrong with uh, trying anyway. And just as well because... Uh, I think I would have been a slave to the family had anything ever become of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and we most certainly uh, didn't need the Van Doorn girl to make it because he made it big in his way. And uh, so, yeah, that was the, the little episode where... Fishing exp expedition. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, and uh, oh, uh, we thought we had the right kind of lure and yeah. tackle box, but <laughs> <laughs> the fish just weren't biting. There was none. No, no, the the fish they were well fed. So anyway, that was. Uh, so you went out with uh, Tris. Yeah, and then you. Met up with Francine after? Or? Oh, that was after that, yeah. yeah well, so what happened with you and Trace Hendricks? Trace, well, it, uh, we went together and she came over a couple of times a week to my place because yeah. uh, uh, I was. House, yeah. Yeah, I was done earlier, mm -hmm. but I had a room upstairs at this place and uh, this is the lady that loaned me the, the book, yeah. the, the, the book, the German. And, uh, uh, where my dad, I yeah. think I told you that. Yeah. And uh, so anyhow, uh, she was um, 
a real city girl. You know, like uh, mm -hmm. you didn't need. Uh, uh, it's just like with with the car. You uh, you get the old car and you had to crank it and crank it to get it going. But when you have a city girl, you just push the right button and it it starts up. And I didn't know that. And uh, uh, to to drive that vehicle, I. Uh, I needed a license that the church never gave me, so to speak, because uh, uh, she was way ahead of the game, and I was scared as hell because uh, there was no way that I was going to risk eternity for a good time. That is the the side effect of the indoctrinations that I had in in the seminary, but. Uh, I wasn't forthcoming and uh, out of fear and Trace kind of, uh, it died on the vine, mm -hmm. the whole relationship. And then uh, one time I met this girl in Sardinus Francine and I was going with her and her girlfriend and her boyfriend and the girlfriend's boyfriend, they, uh, they were talking about going to to Canada because the, uh, the boyfriend had a twin brother yep. in Canada. So we were getting, well, the, uh, there, was, well, there was all kinds of work, but it didn't pay. There was not enough to, uh, that you could say, now I can get married and, and support a wife because that is what ultimately you had to do. Right. So when you were going out with Francine, where were you working then at that time? Um, I don't recall. Uh, oh, that's a good question. I never, I did work. I think I, I think I was still working in Eindhoven. Mm -hmm. Because I had, yes, I was. Because I, <laughs> I remember getting a job. Um, I was working in Eindhoven for one outfit, but it was the second biggest in Holland. And uh, when they run low on work, well, you had to go and you go and pull me. And uh, I didn't want to do that, so I looked for another job. And this man was, uh, he was, there was a new hotel being built in Eindhoven. And uh, it was cause, called Jagershorst. And I think that Van Doorn also had money in that as well. And so did uh, Fritz Phillips. Uh, Fritz Phillips was one of the Phillips guys that owned Phillips Industries. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was a, a new hotel in a beautiful spot. And uh, it was big, like it, it was not uh, uh, an also run kind of outfit. But it had to be wired and I had my license. So he put me in charge of wiring up that uh, Jagershorst Hotel. Mm -hmm. And uh, the man was Van der Nabelen Electrotechnical Company, he called it. You know, uh, if nothing else, at least the name would make a big impression. Mm -hmm. And he seems to, I found out later on, 
he was big on them passions. So he uh, he hired me, and I was doing the work. I had three more guys, there's like there was a crew of four, yeah. to do the work. And uh, but I, I was kind of like the foreman because I had my papers, and a couple of them were uh, what you call aspirant electricians, yeah. and uh, so. Uh, it was going very well. We had a, a good understanding, and things were just working great. And this one particular Saturday, and I said, hey, "Well, guys, we might as well really put the pressure on because we can finish this job. This uh, finishing up a little bit here, a little bit there. But you know, this the last little odds and ends, and then I can go to the workshop, like to the boss and." Tell them we are done. Where are we going next Monday? Because there's two days ahead of schedule. That because there is a, a yeah. time schedule for how long a job uh, is going to take in time, for like how many man hours or man days. And I knew, and uh, I I wanted to beat that, uh, trying to make a good impression. I might be able to get a raise or something. And. Uh, it worked out. Uh, we were done. We packed up the tools, and I took them back to the shop. And I come in there, and uh, just as I put everything, like uh, the leftover materials, uh, put them there on the floor, and then the boss comes out, and he comes into the into the workshop, and uh, then I said, "Oh, uh, Abel," you know, like instead of Mister. I said, oh, Abele, uh, we're all done in Jagershorst, and where would you want us to go on Monday, because we're all finished. And I figured, well, he, he should be happy as hell, because I saved him two eight mandates, mm -hmm. like four guys, yeah. two days, that's eight mandates. And then he very indignantly looks around, kind of tried to... He was no bigger than I was, but he tried to look down on me. And then he said, you don't have to go anywhere for me anymore, ever. To you, I am Mr. Van den Abelen, not Abelen. You are dismissed. Take your tools. So I had to put the tools on the back of my little motorbike, and that was the end. And I came home, and Dad was wondering how come I brought the tools home, so I told him. He said, if you don't learn manners, you're never going to make it. With the hat, that's the saying back home, with the hat in your hand, you can get through the whole land. You know, it rhymed. Yeah. Uh, but that was the basic point. If you are not, if you don't kiss butt, you're not going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. That was the, the, the basic idea. And I didn't like that. I just... The, the, I, I never liked this caste system, and and it was it was there. Like uh, I felt it so many times that they let you know that uh, you don't belong because you're in a different class. Mm -hmm. uh, I got off lightly at the Silver Sea part, the Silver Sea horse, because I was, that was just dumb luck, and I'm I'm still happy about it, mm -hmm. but. Uh, so I had to look for another job, uh, but we at the time were getting 
closer and closer. And I had gone, meanwhile, to this um, information evening, as they called it. And people would, they advertised it, and anybody that had the slightest inkling of going uh, to emigrate to another country, they could go there and they would explain everything there is to know about what you do, what to expect, and uh, which is the best place. So this is the, the Dutch government? The Dutch up? government and the Canadian government oh, okay. yeah. sponsored that as well. Yeah. Because Canada was trying to get the immigrants to come here. Right. And, and Holland was trying to get rid of people. And, and we had, yeah, but see, New Zealand would not take anybody but farmers. Mm. They needed farmers, nothing else. Yeah. In Holland, they, uh, well, they had a rich variety of just about everything. Mm -hmm. So they needed, they had tradespeople. And so I was talking to my, my uh, buddy, but we became buddies when we were going out yeah. with the two girls who were friends with each other. And we all decided that we were going to Canada. Right. This is uh, Francie's girlfriend's uh, uh, boyfriend. Boyfriend, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she she came over and actually married Fred. Fred was uh, Fritz was his name, mm -hmm. and uh, and Francine was gonna come over. Yeah, but you can't let him come over unless you have yep. a place to stay. Right, and I found out that was a, a hell of a good thing. I didn't take along yeah. because we would have both been homeless, yeah. and. Uh, so these are glasses that are put on to kind of explain the, the process, I take it? Yeah, yeah. Where, where do you go to sign up for it? Yeah. And what can you expect? And then you got to go for a medical. And uh, uh, then who's going to pay for what? Right. So when I told my dad that I, I want to go to Canada, but mm -hmm. I had to, at some point, I had to tell him. Yeah. And, uh, but why? I said, this country is not big enough for the Queen and for me. I had it in for the Queen. I didn't like mm -hmm. the, 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 the woman. Uh, I like to be civilized if I can. And uh, that's all because of the way I got treated when I was singing the, the national anthem yeah. and she came back, came by and uh, squirting the, the mud of the rose out of the potholes all over us. Anyhow, um, the, uh, and then I had the incident when my mom died yeah. uh, that added to it. But the whole thing, uh, it, it just doesn't sit right. Mm. Uh, on top of that, the Dutch had to draft. And uh, when you get to a certain age, you have a dream of getting married and getting your own family. Right. You get children. And of course, you hope that one or more of them is going to be a boy, which is great because the name goes on. Right. It was a big thing for my dad, too. Yeah. And uh, if I was to get a son in Holland, I would then have to... Uh, I, I have no leg to stand on. If it was a healthy boy, he would be drafted into the army. And he would have to go and fight some kind of a dumb war, mm -hmm. like uh, what they like to call, they're going to liberate yeah. the people in Indonesia. Mm -hmm. 
No, they were going to recapture the colony. Mm -hmm. But they tried to make it sound as if we are the good people helping those people. No, we were robbing them blind. So in Holland, you've got both. You've the, got a very structured, more structured than you like caste system. That oh, I guess. And then you have the draft. Kind yeah, of two and driving the draft. forces, yeah. So uh, the, from all sides, there were too many negatives. And going to Canada was getting more and more uh, attractive all the time. Yeah. And Fritz having a, a twin brother in Canada already, yeah. for him, it was simple. But I didn't know anybody here. Right. Not that it matters any, you know, yeah. you say hi and you can talk to a guy. But uh, but for him it was a lot easier. Yeah, so you told your dad you were... You that I was to going Canada. to, uh, planning to go to Canada. And he was... And he said, but why? And I said, because uh, this country is not big enough yeah. for the Queen and for me. And I don't think she's going to move again like she did during the war. So the best thing is that I go. Yeah. And... Uh, but, uh, and there, uh, again, uh, Willems doesn't have to emigrate. Mm. I said, that I know that. And nobody says I have to. I want to. Mm -hmm. it, I can't find my way here. The, m my dreams uh, are far beyond what this country has to offer. At that time, it was uh, right after the war. And we were rebuilding the country. Mm. Uh, it was so bad that people actually got married and lived in chicken coops, converted chicken coops to be able to get married. Mm -hmm. My sister, for instance, she was going out with her then boyfriend, uh, must have been uh, at least uh, nine, ten years before they could get married, not because he didn't have a job, he had the best of jobs, but they couldn't have couldn't find a, an apartment anywhere. Mm -hmm. It wasn't there because uh, it was an explosion of, of people gotcha. and, uh, and no houses. A lot of houses had been shot to bits. The village next to ours, there was no, no two breaks left yeah. together after the war. Yeah. So that had to be all rebuilt. Yeah. And when, when these people came back, well, uh, the, I did. Okay. I got a lot of work out of it. Uh, so a limited opportunity. Now you mentioned about the Queen. Was your dad a big supporter of of the? No, of he was queen? neutral. Yeah. Uh, uh, at least he, to me, seemed very neutral. Yeah. My oldest brother, who was in the resistance, yeah. yo, yo, he was very. Pro Orange, yeah. the House of Orange, yeah. and the Queen, and Prince Bernard. Yeah. And I couldn't, uh, in hindsight, I often wondered, how could he be, but of course he didn't know. Why could he be so so big on Prince Bernard? Mm. He married the, the, the Princess Juliana, but he was a German. Yeah. And not only that, until he went out with Juliana, he was in the SS, the worst branch of the German army. The wickedest, those were the ones that were running the concentration camp. But anyhow, um, I, I said I wanted to go to Canada. And uh, I said, but I, 
uh, I applied, I said, don't worry. I applied for subsidy because you could get subsidy from the Dutch government, which was also working together with the Canadian government to to create these subsidies for the people that would go. And uh, so, uh, and then that got quite indignant. He said, it's bad enough that you want to go to Canada, he said, but on top of that, he said, you want the government to pay for it? He says, I can pay for your trip. He says, I'll pay for it. Yeah, I don't want you uh, going on subsidy. That was, uh, uh, you know, kind of like an insult to his dignity. Yeah. And uh, so he he paid for the whole thing, which left me free to go where I wanted. If you go for, with subsidy, they, they pick where you're going. Uh, you have to arrange before you leave yeah. where you are going, what kind of a boss that you have to create or find a way to have an employer before you get there. Before you get okay. before you go on the boat. So for you, because your dad paid for it, you were free to sail. I could go anywhere I wanted, and you would land in Canada and start yeah. looking for work then. And the kind of the Canadian government. Uh, would guarantee me a job. I could, I would be supported they by the Canadian government until they found a job for me. Okay. So, uh, on the Fritz was already gone, yeah. I think by a month or so, yeah. and uh, the girls were still there. And, uh, I went on the 4th of May. 1954. Okay. And on the 12th of May, we disembarked in Quebec City. Had I gone a month earlier, the seaway would have still been froze over too much for the boat to get through, and we would have gone to Halifax. That was okay. actually the the main port. Gotcha. But it gives us the extra space. So anyway. So Quebec City is right. Yeah. What was the, do you remember the boat you went over in? The the Zuiderkuis, the Southern, the Southern Cross. Yeah. That boat was just before that, uh, when the Dutch uh, army was sent to Indonesia to recapture that colony, mm -hmm. to go liberate those people, as they like to call it. Uh, that was a troop transport ship. Okay. But they converted it back to uh, for people. And it was a lot more primitive, but... So uh, you're, not, you're not talking Titanic kind of luxury then? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. And uh, uh, there was no new money, as the woman on yeah. the Titanic yeah. said. Oh, that's all new money. Yeah. Well, no, there was no new money. In fact, there was no money, but... Um, so on the on the boat, just roughly... Any idea how many people would have been on the boat that would have been going across? And I'm assuming all of you are going across to immigrate to Canada. Yeah, okay. every single one of them. Right. Uh, oh, there, there was different levels. Yeah. Uh, 100, 200? Oh, no, no, no. I'm oh. wondering uh, how far over a thousand. Oh, okay. Oh, there was, oh, at, at that time, yeah. nine, the early 50s. Yeah. They were going with the boatload, and I don't mean uh, a little rowboat. No, yeah. these big ocean liners. Yeah, literally a boatload. Yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, 
and the food uh, was terrific. The only thing I didn't like was the eggs because uh, I think they were kept in lime or something. Anyway, they uh, I, they were not like fresh eggs. But the rest, we had bananas and oranges, and yeah. that was a feast because that was not something that we, like, was not an everyday fare in the regular menu. So the actual, on your, like, how long, well, first of all, how long was the trip? Uh, eight days. Eight days. So on that trip, you're actually eating... Eating. Better than you did back in home. Oh yeah, the well I had. Uh, it was not the 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 silver seals, <laughs> but, but uh, no, the food was good. Yeah. Uh, the second day, uh, when we uh, we got out on the, the ocean, yeah, on the well, there was the North Sea, as yeah. they call that, the first little piece. Um, the first day was good and. But you get familiar with, uh, I didn't know anybody, not a single soul mm-hmm. out of over a thousand immigrants, uh, or emigrants as they call them when they yeah. go. Uh, there wasn't one that I knew. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I soon have made friends. But I had my food and I go to my cabin and getting used to it. And uh, slowly it's starting to sink in. I'm not going to go home. Yeah. No, I'm going to Canada. Yeah. I'm getting farther and farther away yeah, yeah. from everything that I know that I'm familiar with. And slowly, it started to sink in yeah. the seriousness of that decision. And I had been warned by several people, you know that it, it's a big step. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, when, when uh, my dad... Uh, Yo, my brother, he rented a, a Volkswagen bus mm-hmm. and Francine and her dad came along and my dad and Yo and my sister Annie and Fun, my okay. friend, yeah. we all went to Rotterdam. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it's nice to drive there and uh, I sit there, of course, next to Francine, we're talking and, uh, well, this is it. Uh, I'm not going to be here next Sunday like yeah. the usual thing. And, uh, yeah, and uh, see that you get settled and I will come over and it's all nice. Yeah. Uh, but it wears off like everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we go, we, we get to Rotterdam and uh, then you, at the time, uh, they were petrified of disease and there was a lot of farmers going on and there were the diseases that they had on the farms in Holland. But in Canada, they didn't have them. Mm-hmm. So there was no exception. Everybody going on the boat had to get their shoes uh, washed and brushed and disinfected. Mm-hmm. And then once you go beyond that rope, mm-hmm. that went across a big, big hall, mm-hmm. once you go on the other side, yeah. you were not allowed back right. in. You could talk across the rope and you could, uh, but the the finalization of yeah. I'm going, yeah. that was there. That rope was uh, a poor divider, but at least you could still see each other mm-hmm. and you could still talk. Yeah. But uh, you can look, but not touch. And uh, that was uh, in itself a bit of an eye-opener because there's my dad, there's my sister, yeah. there's my girlfriend. Yeah. And I see them. Yeah, you've crossed the line. 
But I crossed that line. Yeah. Uh, that's where the saying comes from, I guess. And I see Francine standing there with this bouquet of flowers mm. that I bought her just before. And uh, I, I thought, well, it is the moment. And you cannot, you can so easily uh, misread an emotion on a face. And I thought at the time, uh, I looked at her when she looked me straight in the eye when I was on the other side of the road, holding on to those flowers. Yeah. And uh, I thought, what do I see in those eyes? And they were haunting. I, I didn't want to say anything, because that is not the thing to do when you just say you go by, yeah. you have your last kiss and hug. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you, uh, you just roll with the tides. Mm -hmm. And while I was at sea, I, that face kept coming back to me. Yeah. Uh, was it that she, well, he's gone, I can carry on now, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to hurt the man, blah, blah. But I couldn't figure out. It didn't seem like an expression that I should have been able to expect. Right, so you're second-guessing now. Yeah, yeah, well, I, no, I was having severe doubts. Yeah. And uh, uh, it worked out okay. I'm glad that it worked out the way it did. The timing yeah. of the end was wrong, but anyhow. Uh, so your eight-day journey, what what would you do on the boat during those eight, outside of eating, you would, what else do you do with a thousand people on a boat? Um, you roam around and talk to this one yeah. and that one. And you soon enough can hear by the dialect where they come from. Mm. And there is a family, or was at the time, a family in Ingersoll, and Van Rijswijk, Van Rijswijk, as they call it here. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a, a man and a woman, and they had a, a dozen or more kids. Mm -hmm. And they were small kids, like uh, a couple, I think, not going to school yet, yeah. to the ones that went to work already. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't see their way clear, making a living back home. So the whole family were... The whole family yeah. went. And I admired that man. I thought, you've got to have the guts to pack up. Yeah. There is all these kids. Yeah. And you're going to a country, uh, you don't even speak the language, mm -hmm. you go and work on the farm. Uh, boy, I thought I could dream big, but you got me beat because I couldn't understand that how anybody can have that courage. I was alone. I had no responsibility. That's right. You're only dictating what's going to happen to you, and he's yeah. dictating his whole family. I didn't need yeah. to worry about that clock. Yeah. And I could come home at 12 o'clock, at 2 o'clock, 5 o'clock, or stay home. Mm -hmm. But I was the master of my own destiny. Yeah. And uh, so... Did you meet them on the boat then? Is that where you... I them? saw them there and yeah. I heard that they they were from uh, the same province that Oma is from. Mm -hmm. But the, the dialect was from the very northern part. Mm -hmm. It's only 15, 20 clicks yeah. from my hometown. Yeah. And I knew the difference between their dialect and ours. Yeah. And I could tell that uh, I was trying to pinpoint it before I started the conversation, so 
I started to talk with the man, yeah, we are going to Ontario. Ontario, as he, yes, they say in Dutch. And uh, so where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to Winnipeg. I'm going to Manitoba. And uh, is that farther than Ontario? I said, well, it's in the middle of the country. I know that. And, uh, oh, well, uh, maybe, uh, maybe some weekend you come over because, uh, yeah, I said that would be nice. And uh, so uh, he kind of explained where Ingersoll was and it was west of, on, uh, of Toronto and everybody knew where Toronto was. Mm. And, uh, well, I knew where it was on the map, but I, of course, never seen it, so... But it made a big impression on me because it was over a million people and I never seen that many people in in one location. Yeah. So that made a big impression on me. Even Amsterdam was down a million people. And uh, so I always thought, well, I want to see the Parijsberg sometimes. Yeah. We get off the boat and uh of course you're separated well we'll see you and you know we're yeah. talking our own dialect uh last time i had a chance to and uh don't forget you st anytime stop in anytime ingersoll he said mm -hmm. ingersoll i said i'll remember mm -hmm. and you say where i said winnipeg but that is that's where they gonna decide where i gonna go right oh he said well anyway i'll see you and damn it if I didn't. Yeah. But that is a few years later. Yeah. And uh, I go down the gangplank when my time comes with my two suitcases, the big one and the small one. Yeah. The big one you put in your, your hut. Uh, you got all the, the bigger stuff. Yeah. And then you get the small one where you have your razor and comb and what have you, yeah. pajamas and... Anyhow, uh, the moment that I I go onto the gangplank, you go down this big runway kind of thing with, uh, with uh, the, the barrier on either side mm -hmm. so you don't fall in the water. And then you get actually the end of it sits on Canadian soil mm -hmm. because the boat is... Dutch boat, yeah. so you're by 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 uh, law of the seas, mm -hmm. you are still on Dutch ground yeah. if you're on the boat. And I remember putting my first foot on Canadian soil, and it was almost as if I got a a shock through my body. Mm -hmm. This is the first footprint I will be setting on Canada, and it be the first of many, if I don't go back. Because I wasn't too sure that I was going to make it because it takes, uh, it takes a lot to, to actually make it. So anyhow, I, I knelt down and I looked around and they, they, the, the group that had to go into that train, we had all kinds of labels on our code because... Mm -hmm. Uh, not everybody spoke enough English to understand what he said or whatever. Yeah. So we were put in this train, and the train went. One went to 
Toronto, one went to uh, West, uh, Winnipeg, and from there on. Then you had one that went straight to BC. There was an awful lot of people that went to Alberta and British Columbia. Okay. And uh, in fact, um, yeah, you might as well know. Uh, on the boat, <laughs> um, there was a lot of people, and I met this girl, she was a bit younger than I was, and uh, we were sitting close in the in the dining room, and we got to talking in the dining room, and where are you going? Yeah, well, I'm going to Winnipeg, and so what are you going to do? Well, I'm an electrician, and I... The Canadian government is gonna give me a job. I uh, okay. Where are you going? I'm going to BC because I have an uncle there, and my parents are on the boat too. Oh, but they were on the at a different table. She wanted yeah. to sit separate. Anyhow, uh, we talk and talk, and I meet her on the deck again, and it was towards night and starry night. Uh, and starry nights on the clear night uh, ask Van Gogh he knows what starry night is like mm. and we ended up going on the next deck up and there is those great big chimneys mm -hmm. and uh, it is beautiful you can see farther away and you're floating in the middle of the ocean and the, the waves are kind of calm and uh, you walk around and you start to kind of dream about what you're going to find in the new world and what you're going to do with your life. And, uh, and young as she was, she was maybe 19, 20. And, uh, uh, but she had her dreams the same way. And we were sitting there, yeah. We, so you automatically, we were standing at the rail for a while and then we were sitting down next to a chimney and there was four I believe on that boat and uh, we were sitting in the section between two of them the first two and the last two I don't know and uh, yeah and then my dad is uh, his brother or something uh, went a year ago or so before and he went to BC and he wanted us to come and it was beautiful and so now we are going to uh, to Canada too and uh, so and why did you go but soon enough you know yeah, mm, I like that cologne <laughs> and uh, you can uh, uh, you don't want to yell at each other so you sit close enough that you don't have to talk too loud and, and you're really enjoying the company and it doesn't take long and Francine, oh, no, that the, doesn't ring a bell. The, no, <laughs> no, that was such a distant thing. And I saw her face at that rope oh, yeah. at the time. And so uh, it was not a done deal anyway, like we weren't married or anything. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess she was kind of lonely too. She wanted to have yeah. somebody to talk to, to spend time mm -hmm. on the boat with. And I thought, well, who better than me? Because I'm looking for somebody too, because you have your, your parents, but I don't have anybody. And uh, well, 
So we were having a good time, sitting between those chimneys, enjoying the starry night. And the funny thing was, we get off the boat, and but she was in a whole different area yeah. than I was. I never saw her. That the, the last time I saw her was not supposed to be the last. Well, I'll see you tomorrow when we when we disembark or tomorrow when we have breakfast or whatever. I didn't see her anymore. I and how in the hell are you gonna pick somebody out of over a thousand people who are all mm. mingling around and uh, bewildered, looking for? They all have questions, yeah. no answers. So I never did see her anymore. And I got to admit, uh, by now I don't even remember her name. Mm -hmm. But she was a very nice girl. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that kind of helped me kill some time. But the second day that we were out on the ocean, I got seasick. Mm -hmm. Well, I tell you, I I never been so sick in my life. And I had dentures uh, uh, a year, a year and a half before. Mm -hmm. And I'm standing there over the rail, and well, let the sharks take it. I don't care, but I I had to bring up, uh, puking and puking, and all of a sudden I, as I oh, and then I saw my dancer coming out. Holy mackerel! What am I gonna do? And well, I didn't ask. I didn't have time to ask. This is it's a reflex, automatic yeah. reflex. I just hit them in time, and I stood there, straddled. They went between my legs, hit the deck, and they go boom, boom, boom. And they landed under the deck chair that this lady in a bikini, I never saw a bikini before in my life, mm -hmm. but she was from the North Country, yeah. where they have bikinis. And uh, that lady was not sick at all. She was reading the book, sunglasses on. And she was king shit, like, yeah. uh, she was the type that wouldn't talk to a commoner like me. Yeah. That's the impression that she tried to leave, I guess. And as she must have seen those teeth coming, going right under her deck chair, mm -hmm. and on the other side, and I walked up there because, well, I wanted to retrieve my teeth. Yeah. And I grabbed them off the deck and put them in my mouth. <laughs> she gets up and then she stands at the rail. <laughs> it made her sick. I thought, well, we got one more. Yeah, we got something in common now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, even to score. Yeah. Uh, we got each a point. Uh, yeah, that was one of the nicer experiences on the boat. Yeah. Uh, I had four or five friends that I eventually, in a couple of three days, I got some friends, it was uh, four or five guys, and they spoke Austrian, which is uh, kind of German. But uh, uh, I heard that, and I spoke enough German that I could actually understand, so I could talk to them. And right away, uh, uh, they knew that they were on a Dutch boat, and the Austrians and the Germans, just recently, just be a few years before, mm -hmm. had lost the war, so... Uh, to them, I was kind of like in the driver's seat. Yeah. Not that it made any difference to me. But uh, uh, by the end, I learned an awful lot of 
Austrian, mm-hmm. the, there is that difference between German and, and Austrian language. It's almost like a dialect. And I enjoyed it very much. And uh, Sorry, just backing up. So these are oh, also some people you met on the boat in Austria? Yeah, and and, uh, uh, I was good friends with them. Yeah. And we were hanging around together, except at night, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, for them, there was quite a bit of Dutch that they didn't understand on the boat because every nationality has a boat in their own like things indicated in their own language mm-hmm. and then they have the common language and uh, so I could help them out there and that uh, but in general uh, yeah I uh, I befriended them uh, I didn't see them anymore after we got off the boat because mm-hmm. they were all in a different yeah. category was there outside of the family from Ingersoll was there anyone on the boat that you eventually met up with after the fact that you were called the, the, the only the, the girl uh, on the top that's the only one that I met plus then of course these five yeah. uh, one a couple were from uh, where that famous uh, university is Heidelberg mm-hmm. and uh, one was from Linz I think but anyway that wouldn't matter anyway mm-hmm. uh, but yes I they were Together they were yeah. budged together. They, yeah. uh, I think they already knew each other before they boarded. But uh, anyway, once we. Uh, so I just because you've kind of got through. So you've taken an eight-day trip coming over, kind of got kind of went on the boat and then you've landed. Uh, our hours is almost up, so we can probably yeah. put a pin in this and talk about once you've landed. Was there anything? Anything else from the trip over that you recall that you wanted to add in, or? I don't. Uh, all I know is that I ate lots of bananas on yeah. the boat mm-hmm. because uh, uh, I always loved bananas. I still like bananas, but not to the same degree anymore. Mm-hmm. But th- there was lots of everything, everything that, and I I was surprised that they could actually store them because they had no stopover on the way. Yeah. Uh, it was a non-stop eight-day trip mm. and uh, with, with all those people. But uh, uh, no, uh, there was one day where uh, we had to kind of hunker down because uh, the sea was getting, like the ocean was getting a little bit rough. Right. And um, I wanted to experience the whole thing. So I stood at the bow in the front and that is what I was thinking of. Remember the the, the on the Titanic, oh. the guy and the girl standing. Yeah, king uh, of the world. Uh, yeah, yeah, at the front, yeah. and the boat going up and down, and it goes down, and a holy mackerel! Here we go, we sing because it goes, and I went to the back, and actually the 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 propellers were coming almost out of the water. Mm-hmm. To uh, that is how how because they didn't have balances uh, yeah. uh, in, in those boats in those days. You know, they, they only transported troops. And uh, and we were no different. Uh, uh, we were all new money. So, uh, yeah, I, I saw that. It's, it's quite an experience. Mm-hmm. And the fortunate part was that by then, uh, there was no way I was going to get seasick again. Because once you have that and you're 
you know, you're rocking all the time. And when it gets rough, so it rocks a bit more. The only time when I was standing in the very front and it was nose diving, and I thought for sure we are going down, yeah. and like in and under the water. And, uh, but no, it came up, mm-hmm. and uh, it came up just as far high, uh, just as high as it went down. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite an experience. Uh, sometimes you see movies where a little boat, like a fishing boat, gets caught in the waves, mm-hmm. and the way that it gets tossed around on the rough sea, and then I wonder how in the hell can they actually stand, uh, they, you know, that, uh, that they don't fly off. Mm-hmm. But those sailors, they, they're, they're fishermen, they are used to that. And to them it's the same as a farmer working in the field. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that... Uh, uh, so how many years I, ago was that? Go back now. So you're that your place, uh, That was this past May, yep. sixty-six years ago. Sixty-six years ago, you took the the trip across the ocean to come to Canada. Yeah, and I uh, this year uh, I'm eighty-eight. Mm. The first twenty-two years I lived in Holland. I was twenty-two when I came yep. to Canada. So one quarter of my lifespan. I spent in Holland yep. and three quarters of it mm-hmm. in Canada. Yep. And uh, uh, it's the in the beginning I I many times thought uh, when I was sleeping under the stars, for instance, what the hell did you do? Mm-hmm. That was right. You don't have to go. Uh, Willem doesn't emigrate, yeah. but those were different times, and uh, now I'm glad that I bit my lip, and no matter what, uh, I have heard my second oldest brother when he came over uh, saying how sorry he was that he hadn't come mm-hmm. shortly after when I let him know once I got Settled in, I got a job at Dunlop, and I was making good money, and how life was here, and I sent pictures, you know, at that time, by snail mail, and Mm. uh, you take the the film roll into the drugstore, and the next week you get the pictures, and you ask them beforehand, make two sets, so I got one set to send home. And he was looking at those pictures, and I thought, well, if I was to go back, maybe he could come and... And we could start a, a bakery together there, uh, because you could do anything you wanted here. All you had to have is the nerve to actually do it. Right. So the true land of opportunity. There, yeah. yeah. Oh, there is no question. There's the. Uh, there was a man. Nossen was K N O S S E N. Forget the first name. He wrote a book. And he, it was called Canada, the land of uh, uh, the land of unlimited opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I, in the beginning, I thought, yeah, 
an opportunity to to die. You know, when um, I may be an optimist, but there are times when things go bad and you're alone, mm. and being alone can be a bugger. Uh, nobody gets to talk you out of out of a certain mood. Yep. And I thought, what the hell did I do? But uh, soon enough, things started to change, yep. and uh, now I'm I'm <clears> extremely happy. I uh, I just can't picture. But Harry, but he has been sorry ever since mm. that he didn't come over, and I think that Matteo couldn't go. He was would never have been allowed yeah. for for medical reasons, and uh, Joe died early, and of course the girls they stayed there, but Harry would have really liked to have come over, but mm. he didn't, and he said when when you left and Dad came back from Rotterdam and he was sitting at the workbench in the bakery because Harry was running the bakery when Dad wasn't home. And Dad sits there at the workbench and I said, but what's the matter, Dad? Did uh, everything go okay? Did you see him off like you were planning on that boat, the little boat that goes with the ocean liner? And he said, yeah. He said, you know that we will never see him again? Never. And Harry said, well, Sure, he's going to come home for holidays sometime. No, he says, it doesn't work that way because I know when I was young, there was people already going to America. And you go to Canada, they go to Australia, they go all over. And they never came back. Do you know that it sometimes took more than a month to get a letter from them? Mm -hmm. He says, do you think that when they make that crossing once, they want to do it again? He said, no, we're never going to see him again. And uh, so he let me know in a letter once that Dad was so distraught about that fact mm -hmm. that he had to say goodbye at that rope, yeah. knowing was, that I would never see him again. Yeah, in his mind, it was the final goodbye. Yeah, in his mind it was. But the funny thing was, he had a, a medical problem in 1963. Mm -hmm. And I got a telegram. You didn't have a phone to, yeah. so it was telegram, and it was urgent. Dad is in the hospital, and he had the last rites from the church, so he had the the sacraments, what mm -hmm. have you. And uh, if you want to see Dad alive, you better come over right now. And there's no more explanation. That's it. So yeah. the boss, your park, you decide. And that is when I got on a four engine. Uh, um, propeller plane going back to Holland took 12 hours instead of 7 on the jet yeah. and that morning when I arrived I took the Volkswagen uh, delivery that we had back home that uh, my brother and my dad bought for delivering bread because the handyman like uh, I was gone so and it was safe uh, I couldn't take it on the weekend to go Joyriding, and uh, uh, so he uh, uh, now I, I lost my thread. Well, you talked about your dad was sick, and you flew back, and you know, yeah, I was yeah, going to go visit. So I, yeah, and I go with I come in the in the hospital, and Theo, my kid brother, went with me, and he said, "Well, I better go with you because." 
I don't want you to walk in and and that's enough to put that over the edge of you because he's convinced you he'll never see you again because yeah. that was very common knowledge. Yeah. So that's uh, how many years you've been gone now? Sixty-six. No, between when your dad said goodbye until when you went back to see oh, your dad. Uh, that was nine years. Yeah. And uh, there's been nine years since he's seen you. Then. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, we get to the hospital, and there is the door, and Theo opens it up, and it, uh, the hospital door, of course, opens inward, yeah. and I have to crack the door, and Theo says, "You wait here." He says, "And I'm, I'll talk to Dad, and then slowly introduce him. Otherwise, it's too much of a shock." So Theo goes in. And I'm standing there, and I could see through the crack of the door, I could see my dad's face. And he was lying there with his eyes closed. And, and Theo said, hi, Dad. And then he opened his eye. Oh, hi, Theo. And they said, I got somebody with me. Uh, oh, where, where is he? Well, you get three guesses. Who is this? Uh... Uh, uh, Tantric. No. Uh, Oma Wim. That was his favorite brother. Mm -hmm. He lives in Drute. And, uh, no. But he says, then I don't care. And he just closed his eyes and he was lying there with his hands folded on his chest and trying to doze off to sleep. Dad. One more guess. He said, I don't care. And I thought, well, no, that's enough. I I didn't want to... Uh, yeah. No, so I went in there. I didn't say anything. And I was standing next to Theo. And then Theo mumbled something to me. I don't know what he said. And then as he did, that opened his eye. Just a blink. Closed him. And then all of a sudden, they opened wide. Uh, did I see that right? Because there is two standing there instead of Theo, mm. only one. And then he looked again. Albert, I said, Dad, how are you? So I gave him a big hug and I hugged him and he said, how did you get here? I said, well, I flew over. I heard you were not doing too well. I said, but I could have saved myself a pile of money because you're not doing too bad at all. I said, you look good. Oh, thank you, he said. I feel good. Theo, where are the cigars? Dad, take it easy, take it easy. You're in the hospital now. We've got to light up a cigar, aren't we? Theo, where are the cigars? Uh, hey, you still like cognac? So let's have the cognac. Dad, wait until you get home. There's still lots of time. So that was my first yeah. visit. And yeah. I talked a little bit to him and I said, Dad, I'll... I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back several times. How long are you going to be here? I said, well, I'm going to be here for three weeks. But one week I go and see my in-laws. Yeah. yeah, they're great people, he said. He was very happy with yeah. uh, Oma's uh, parents. Yeah. He went to see them before we got married. I asked the way it's supposed to, was to be done mm -hmm. in those days. You ask your parents if it is okay. And you ask the hands of yeah. the girl 
so you approach the girl's parents. And so I went through the, the, the yep. normal yep. channels. And, uh, okay, yeah. so we're going to put a pin in it because we've gone definitely yeah. a lot longer. So you've gone so, over, but this point in time, just to kind of flip, this is the first 22 years we've kind of on your boat. And really, this is it for you. You've left behind your family, uh, wheel, uh, fun, all your friends, all your sisters. This is you on your own, and we'll pick that up uh, next week uh, going forward. Okay. Okay, thanks. Three quarters of my life have been spent here. Yep.